This is part four of our four-part innovation discussion. Here we address strategies for fostering innovation in the classroom. Welcome to the PWC KWHS webinar series for high school educators on business and financial responsibility. I'm Diana Drake, Managing Editor of Knowledge at Wharton High School, and today we are discussing innovation and the art of problem solving. Talk of innovation is everywhere in the business world. To be an innovator is to position yourself on the path to a successful life and career. We tell our high school students that they need to be more innovative, but do they truly understand what that means and how it is related to problem solving? Do they understand that innovation requires critical thinking to see something in an entirely new light and to possibly inspire real change? We'll discuss these and other ideas to help provide high school educators with a framework of understanding for innovation and to find ways to teach students to be innovative thinkers and problem solvers. We're excited to have two top experts in the field helping us to explore this important topic. Shaika Chowdhury is an adjunct associate professor of management and executive director of the Mac Institute for Innovation Management at the Wharton School. Rob Shelton is Global Innovation Strategy Lead at PwC and specializes in integrating innovation, new business models and new technologies, into an organization's strategy and operations to create growth. Thank you both for sharing your insights today about innovation and the art of problem solving. During our discussion, we'll also be addressing questions from high school educators around the country. As you've already heard, many educators are considering how best to foster an environment that supports innovation while also meeting the necessary classroom standards. In innovation, rather than identified right answers or wrong answers, the goal is to find a better way and to explore multiple possibilities. Kim Zoko of Archbishop Edward A. McCarthy High School in Southwest Ranches, Florida, says college has become extremely competitive and students only seem to want to get that GPA or SAT to a level that will gain entry to their desired college. They're not interested in doing something for the sake of experiential learning. So how can Kim and other teachers combat this and, and encourage students to embrace that spirit of experimentation in everything they do? Well, I like the fact that she's got the experimentation uh, aspect you know, right in the question there. Um, and uh, I, I don't have a perfect answer for this. I want to admit that right up front. But I do think that... Um, she's right, that there has been a focus on getting the scores right, getting into college. But I believe that that's because that's the model that has worked. I believe we're moving past the point where a college credential is enough to to give you a livelihood or to send you in a direction uh, where you can do fun things and enjoy both your life and, and your your your, your um, uh, professional career or whatever you decide to end up doing. I think there we we're starting to see that 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 credential just getting in is not enough. It's what you do while you're there, and and that the what you do that I'm referring to is learn, is experiment, is find ways to mix a liberal arts course with a mathematics course, or uh, try something you haven't done, and and use that as a way to grow. And I think that that is what the future of college and the like. 
uh, is or the way that people will use it. And I, and I point to, to places like Google and the companies in Silicon Valley and, and leaders around the world who don't want to know necessarily your GPA. What they want to know is, what did you do? What experiment did you run? What new thing have you already shown yourself able to do? And do you think you could apply that where, where we work? And, and that means uh, attention to detail, ability to execute. It's not just a crazy idea. It means actually carrying through with it. I think that's the new model. Now, um, uh, Kim, who asked the question, is going to be challenged to, to tell kids, you know, that just a degree isn't going to do it. But I do think that that's part of the answer. I think the other part is to let the the, the, the students experiment uh, and try innovation and get fired up, get their juices flowing about it. There's nothing better than to see someone try something, really love the process of innovation, and, and then they start to have what we call a fire in the belly. They'll carry that forward, and I think that that's probably at the heart of it. Now, Shaikh, I've talked sort of all the way around it. Uh, do you have a, <laughs> a better way of, of saying what I was trying to say? Uh, I'll augment um, some uh, with some of my thoughts. And so one thing I want to say is that I think even colleges, when they're looking at applicants these days, are not only looking at the SAT scores or the GPA. That's almost a basic. It goes back to what you were saying, Rob, earlier. You know, there are some things we just have to do where we don't need too much creativity. You know, basic things are important. We do want some sense of aptitude, for example. Um, but it's not everything. So that kind of clears the first screen, if you will. And then after that, it is those students who are leaders, who have done creative things, who are not novel in many ways. In fact, they're the ones who can distinguish themselves. So I would argue the more competitive it gets to get admission to the top schools in particular, the more you need to be creative and different in order to stand out amongst that pool. The other thing, the other part of the question, which really deals with um, getting students interested in doing something for the sake of experiential learning and 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 uh, encouraging them to uh, embrace the spirit of experimentation. What I will also say is that it's important at that level to probably associate some kind of outcome with a form of experiential learning. So for me, what, even if I do in a classroom an experiential learning approach, like a case study or a simulation, if I just leave it at that, um, that may not be enough to convey all the material or the framework. So whether I give a straight lecture or I use a simulation or I use a case study to discuss concepts, at the end, I will use the same slides I would have in any case to make sure that all the key points are understood so that people are brought onto um, a mode where they feel like, well, it's not only experiential learning per se. I got something out of it. Here are the concrete things I take away from it. And I think maybe that bridge needs to be crossed as well. Good points. Charles Kafagillis of Incarnate Word Academy in Houston, Texas, asks, what types of problems are appropriate for high schoolers to practice change and innovation? I think we've touched on this already. We've talked a lot about experimentation. But, you know, experimentation is not only in the science lab. Uh, what, what might be some things that teachers can do in other subjects or other areas that would help to foster this um, experimentation in the classroom? That's a tough question. Um, but a very important one. So uh, let me sort of let me offer a view, and then uh, Rob, you can you can uh, chime in. Um, in terms of actual problems, I mean, we've got problems that they have to be problems that that students can relate to. 
So it could be something as simple as um, improve the layout of the cafeteria so that the line is not so long, or um, come up with a better way of marketing our school, or think of um, different approaches to making the garden greener, or we use too much energy, can you guys do an audit and figure out how we use uh, less electricity at the school? And giving simple problems of that sort that they can relate to will help foster the creativity and the innovative spirit, especially if they see some kind of outcome and its implementation and they're able to then get a tangible benefit or result out of it, that may then convince them to do it. Um, there will be, though, and I'll say this, some students who come here and to other universities already come with startup ideas um, at the age of 16, 17, 18, which is quite remarkable. And so I'm very glad that I was admitted at a different time. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, so people are thinking creatively. You have ways of engaging. Let's say creating an app, for example, for a an Android or a, an iPhone platform. That's something within certain people's reach, you know, or you've got Lego clubs with robotics and other things. Um, that can also be encouraged for those a bit more technically inclined. Well, and you also mentioned case studies. How might that be used? So case studies are, um, you know, a method where, you know, you can give a situation and, and, and students can certainly uh, respond to them. I think this is sort of that balance that Rob was talking about earlier. There are certain things you need to learn which are more fundamental in nature. Once you've covered those basic principles, I think then you can go to the mode of, of case studies to try and say, hey, here's a situation. How would you approach it? Um, and uh, that certainly that certainly works in pretty much any subject area. And in fact, it's almost how you're approaching it which is more important than uh, what you come up with in the end. Yeah, and I'll add to that. I um, tricks of the trade, so to speak. I, I let me share one with you, which is I think case studies are great because they challenge and and they cause people to work in a collaborative environment. Like, but another approach, or and another approach, I should say, is to take a, a story about someone who did it well. I, it can be a, a someone that found a new technology, or or someone who uh, solved a uh, shortage, water shortage problem in African villages, or um, dealt with uh, uh, an issue of education in an emerging country, whatever it might be, the case study, and get it, look at it, talk about what they did that worked, what was it that they did that, you know, how did they see the problem, what was it that led them to success, etc., and then say, how could we use the learnings here on some problems we face? And then turn it into not only a selection of which idea, which, which issues are amenable to this kind of thing, but then work them through and say, well, let's apply so, so we now have an issue. We have a water issue here, they say. So, well, uh, we can't use the same solution that they used, they used in Africa, but what's the analytical process? What was it that led to success that we might be able to, to use here and have them work it out, even begin to think about how they would test whether that approach would work, experiment, so to speak. So I like the idea of learning from others and saying, how do I use that? I think that that, um, frankly, I think that's one of the things that good innovators do, or at least some of the time. Uh, why not teach kids to do it as, as part of the curriculum? Lou DeCesar of Irondequoit High School in Rochester, New York, wants to know what you recommend to educators to encourage more risk-taking, creativity, and innovative projects in the classroom, especially in the context of core curriculum assessments that are taking students away from practicing critical thinking skills. I know we've touched on this in other answers, but um, the way he asks it, I think, is really thought-provoking, and maybe you have some suggestions. 
Well, how do you encourage them? Well, I, I think you need to educate the educators, if I can be sort of cliche about it, which is um, they need to encourage more risk-taking creativity. It's not taking away from practical thinking skills. It's augmenting it, as has been said quite eloquently. You, know, you need to have the, the basic critical capabilities, but you also need some additional thinking and, and creativity skills that, that will augment it. So you need to come out of the, the curriculum, uh, the school, with capabilities in both. And educators have got to realize that. I think that, uh, as an example, some, many universities have suddenly had a wake-up call that a lot of the traditional approaches they were using were leaving out sufficient creativity and innovation, or at least the, the application of it. And, and now they've They've made up for that. I believe some were way ahead in that area, but many of them have stepped up to that and made changes in their curriculum because they were too unbalanced. They were skewed towards the application of of what's known as opposed to the uh, the, the the teaching about how to. F- to, to, to be innovative and to create the next thing. Um, I think that that's what educators need to realize before they'll change. Um, and by the way, this is the same challenge that you face in business. If what you're doing is working, it's hard to convince the, the senior folks to change it. You have to point out that there are deficiencies in it, that there are opportunities that are unrealized. Those can motivate change. But otherwise, it's an uphill battle to convince someone that what they're doing, which seems to be working very well to them, ought to be changed. I've been in a lot of discussions, and people are resistant to change unless they can see the benefit. For me, just to in many ways tie together the points that we were talking about earlier as well, projects, you know, I mean, do a lot of projects um, where you get to bring people together, solve problems in new ways and transfer and apply those things in a different context, the learning that you might otherwise get are very, very important. Um, uh, Case studies like we've talked about uh, are very useful tools, possibly simulations and um, other techniques of that sort. Another way might also be to try and engage, um, per Rob's point, with people who've done interesting things. I mean, we've got technology, so you can connect with people um, through virtual means and have an interesting conversation with interesting people. Because for me, a lot of this is about inspiration, about seeing the value, about seeing the long-term benefit, about getting enthused and excited about it. Um, and yet at the same time, I'd make the point, okay, learn the basics, then let's go have fun and, uh, and apply this in the context that, uh, that's really a, perhaps of, of interest to you as well um, and, uh, and play with it. Yeah, I like your point about inspiration, because if you don't have um, inspired people, they, they may want to change, but they won't make the effort. So I think that that's a, a key piece of the equation that's got to be addressed as well. Good point. Absolutely. And I think inspiring the students is important, but I think the teachers need to be inspired too around innovation. And Patricia Page of East Greenwich High School in Greenwich, Rhode Island, um, turns this innovation focus to teacher training. And she asks, what systems and structures need to be put in place in the teacher preparation program to ensure those who are entering the profession use strategies in their classrooms that support innovative approaches to solving problems? So it goes back to that point of, I guess, educating the educators, Rob. 
Yeah, and and to the points that were well made, which is because educating the educators is is a sort of a broad statement, but the practical applications, the the, the inspiration, the stories of what worked, it, what didn't, the case studies, the simulations. Teachers need to be exposed to that. My my guess, I don't have data to support this, but based on what I see in in uh, many organizations, government and business and the like, most teachers have not been exposed to all of those items, or if they have, they don't have, weren't necessarily. Uh, delivered in ways that they can take and practically apply in their classrooms, which is the nature of this question. So they're unprepared, maybe not totally unprepared, but not sufficiently. So they need to have um, modules that help them uh, set up experiments, that provide the case studies, that provide the inspirational stories that will allow them to go make this happen. And then I would suggest they need to experiment and figure out which ones work the best and learn as they go forward, because this will be something new. This will be an innovation in education. And, and the lesson is, let's experiment. Let's find out what works and what doesn't, and then learn from that and make the changes. I think so, too. And um, I think uh, this question is really good because I think uh, the teacher recognizes where the issue might be, that they're not prepared um, to, to really enact and implement, even despite having good intentions about doing it. Um, so I think exposure is absolutely critical. The other thing is they could be forced to go through the same exercises themselves, um, have them do simulations and case studies and projects in order to work on these kinds of problems and develop new ideas, um, experience it themselves. We see it very uh, here at, uh, at the university environment very clearly because uh, the kinds of work and assignment that students are used to, even at the best high schools, when they come here into the college environment and the nature of the activities and the assignments and the deadlines and the responsibilities changes, uh, some make that transition very easily, whereas others struggle a bit. And uh, so I think preparing everyone, both students and the teachers, is very, very important and plugging that gap. We take for granted here at college, you know, these kinds of other tools that we have at our disposal. I mean, without a project, without a simulation, without cases, no course, at least that I teach, would be complete. But that's not always the case um, in the environment. Part of the other part problem, though, might be in terms of time and, and resource allocation, you know. So I think, you know, there has to be some recognition at some higher levels that this is important um, and getting teachers to form some sort of group where they're interested in promoting this and come together and collaborate across schools even um, to come up with new designs or modules for curricula would actually help because I think they know a lot too and we need to bring that, bundle that together, these ideas, and perhaps facilitate how they can uh, then turn those into uh, actual curricula. I think you just developed a business plan for something that we need to go commercialize. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Well, I, I, I would be remiss in, in not following that up with um, maybe giving some teachers some advice on how to negotiate or persuade administrations to embrace an innovation. I know a lot of times they're up against, um, you know, these core curriculum standards and other things that uh, fit into a very tight structure. So what would you recommend to teachers who might be passionate about innovation and want to take it one step further, feel frustrated that, that they don't have the ability to do so? My simple advice is start really small. Um, sometimes people try to change the whole system or challenge. Uh, there's times for that. 
But I, I do believe that running a little experiment, trying something, seeing how it works, learning, uh, and, and developing the, the data, the understanding that say, ah, this, this works, makes for a more convincing argument than simply arguing the theoretical need to make changes. So uh, I'd encourage them to be um, uh, entrepreneurial uh, and to use their passion to create um, and validate, create programs and validate that, that they really work, as opposed to demanding that, that people adopt more innovation, because those people may not see the value in it. If you can show the students loved it, they thought it was great, you know, it was, it was 30 minutes of pure excitement and look what happened, et cetera. I, I'm just sort of role-playing here. I, I think you have a more compelling case than simply banging on the desk or pushing hard and continually to convince people. I, I think um, showing them is better than telling them. I think I would wholeheart, wholeheartedly agree with that because we need catalysts to create change, you know, and, and, and those catalysts are important. And to the extent outcomes are important, right? I mean, I'd, I'd uh, go back to what Rob was saying earlier, point out the deficiencies. You know, our students could do X if they were only able to do this or look at the kids from that school that did very well. Look at what they did slightly differently, you know, and, and one could learn from that as well and then form little groups in the school to try and do these things on the side until somebody picks up uh, on it and supports it with some resources. Yeah, and you, you made me think of one more thing, which is uh, uh, reach out to others that are like-minded and, and use the network of innovators so that you can learn from others, but you also may get a case study of not only what you did, but but what others have done. And so it gives you more information to use uh, to engage people in discussion. So it's not just what you tried in your classroom. We've maybe got 10 other examples. Uh, it, makes a, it makes for a compelling argument. And these are the catalysts for change. So if you want to innovate in education, you've, you've got to use some of the best practices, which is uh, be part of a network, an ecosystem, uh, prototype, uh, test, experiment, uh, and, then, and then go about making the changes, uh, getting people to adopt them. Those are three important activities. It's not a case of winning a battle in a, in a, in a room. Uh, it's really a case of going and making things happen.